0: Are you ready now? Yes. All right, you're positive. Yes, I'm ready. Listen, this is a big deal. This is our first ever podcast together. My first ever podcast series. See, this is yeah. a, an important day.
1: All right. Like.
0: <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to the first ever Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. My name is Tim Whitaker, and I have my friend here.
1: Jordan Renault.
0: There he is, the one and only. This is Jordan's first ever time podcasting. And technically, I do podcast um, with some other guys for MMA stuff, but this is really my first ever theology-based podcast. Um, Coffee is in the name. We do have coffee here. Jordan, would you please uh, pour me a cup? And I'm going to place the microphone close to it so we can hear. Certainly. (laughs) Solid. Thank you
1: that's Uh, all you get what are we drinking today jordan uh this is ethiopia oh a blend from ethiopia
0: ow it's hot wow that's that's scalding um but it's good
1: like the comments on your facebook (laughs) (laughs)
0: listen we're gonna get to that all right right. so for all (laughs) my friends listening out there um i want to give a brief just intro to why we started this the whole point um coffee theology and jesus actually started as a blog post uh with me and my friend rob and we noticed that i was posting stuff on facebook and social media and it was kind of getting out of hand and people were arguing a lot and so i decided to go ahead and start a blog so i can better flesh out my thoughts and i asked um my friend Rob at the time to help. Now, Rob is is actively still part of Coffee Theology and Jesus, but he just had a child and he's a busy man. So I decided though, uh, you know, Jordan and I here, we've been talking about podcasting for quite some time. So I I think that today we decided just to go ahead and kind of pull the trigger on it um, because... Even even blogging as good as a medium as it can be, it doesn't really give. Um, at least for me, Jordan, I don't, I don't know how it is for you, but writing for me only goes so far. I'm just so limited in my vocabulary um, that I find that being able to speak and kind of flush out thoughts. I can get my point across better, and especially with some of these issues we're going to talk about, especially today. Um, when we d- when we have the the the, the tone of voice and we have the inflection, I feel like people are able to better to better hear it. You know, so.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, writing for me is definitely my more natural medium. But, again, you kind of – you don't have that same conversational element that you get on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's really important. So um, a quick history of me and Jordan. You know, Jordan and I are – for the record, let's state the record right now, okay, because you know how people will read things and they'll take things out of context. Yeah. Jordan and I are devoted followers of Jesus, all the way through, we affirm the resurrection, we affirm uh, the death, we affirm the atonement of sin. We hold mostly, I would argue, very traditional Christian views as far as uh, the Bible being the Word of God, all that kind of stuff. Would you agree with me?
1: Oh, yeah. You Absolutely. say that like we're going to say a lot of things contrary to well, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I say that just so I can be very clear. You I'll give you a great yeah. example. That's Back in the
0: day when Rob Bell came out with his Love Wins book, people were trying to say, well, does he even believe in the Trinity? And they were trying to find audio clips and they couldn't find audio clips of him specifically saying, I believe in the Trinity. So I want to state it on our first ever podcast that we are traditional Bible believing Christians. Who truly believe that God's word is applicable to today, and we are most concerned more than anything, uh, following the teachings of Christ and what that means for today. Right? That's what it comes down to yeah, for us. Completely. We, we affirm the Trinity, the pretty pretty basic stuff that any Christian should affirm. We are with you on that. We don't hold anything crazy. That being said, for some reason, Jordan, on my Facebook, I don't know why, I, I really don't. <laughs> but people think it's they they think I'm crazy.
1: Yeah. But you, you and I have been good friends. I think you're crazy on See? Facebook. I, <laughs> in it, person, not so bad. But
0: is it not true, though, that you have blocked my feeds from your, from your Facebook? I have blocked
1: your <laughs> feeds from my Facebook. When you mentioned the Facebook post that we're going to get into, I had to go and type in your Facebook name and find you because you didn't show up on my feed. <laughs> you know, I can't blame you.
0: All right, but I just want to state the record clearly that you and I are pretty standard Bible-believing Christians. Which for some people is going to breathe a sigh of relief. For other people listening to this, might go, "Oh, here we go. Here comes the Bible bashing." Here goes. Here comes (laughs) the Bible. So,
1: if you're still listening, (laughs) yes, (laughs) Yes.
0: thank you. Um, So, yeah, I just want to get that out there before we did anything else. Make sure that people were were very clear on where we stood. Everything now, Jordan and I, we both grew up in the church. We both um, actually we we were both actually homeschooled as well at one point. Yeah, that Um, is true. Jordan, how many siblings do you have? I have eight siblings. And your mom, she that lady is a saint. She <laughs> sure. homeschooled a lot of them, right?
1: Yeah. Um, all of them at some point or another. Um, I think only my two older brothers were homeschooled all 12 years.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was also homeschooled up to ninth grade. And Jordan and I, at least for me and my family, I was at church. Every time the doors were open, I was pretty much there. So I grew up in... New Jersey along with Jordan in a pretty traditional Christian worldview. I mean, I grew up pretty, pretty Baptist, not too, um, not too crazy theology, just standard Baptist theology. So Jordan and I both grew up in the church. And I say that because when we talk about the church, I think sometimes people can kind of be like, well, you don't really know it, or you're kind of bashing. We're not here to bash, but we grew up in it, you know, and even though our experience wasn't everyone else's experience, we have a very good feel of the pulse of how people our age, millennials uh, specifically, are perceiving the church in our culture.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Okay, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and so because of that, I think it's important that that I guess my my hope is that in this podcast is that you and I are representing more people than just us. You know, yeah. I think that we have a decent pulse. I don't think we're people are going to always agree with me or you and you and I are, are what well, we know this for a fact are definitely not going to always agree with each other. But that's OK, because at the end of the day, we both believe that the church is or can be the greatest answer that the world needs right now. When the church, I think, is operating properly um, and when it's operating with a kingdom mindset, I think it, it could be the hope of the world. But when it's not, it can be, it can be harmful sometimes. You know, it can, be, it, it can hurt itself. It can also hurt its, its uh, culture's perception of it as well. Yeah, for sure. sure. Okay, good. So again, I want to make that all very clear. I spent <laughs> the first almost 10 minutes here just making sure that people know that we are
1: normal Christian people. <laughs> right. Nothing crazy. <laughs> Nothing crazy, right?
0: We have coffee. I eat. I put my pants on one leg at a time. That being said, I think it's time.
1: Are you ready? Yeah, as ready as I'll ever be. Jordan,
0: I have two words for you. What are they? Kim Davis. <laughs> <laughs> as he laughs, please don't spit out your coffee. All right. Now, I want to give people, most people who are listening to this are probably ones who got sucked into my last Facebook post. And let me state also for the record here that I did not intend for that meme to, A, come across the way it did to those Christians, but also to be nearly as controversial as it came about being. And it turned out to be a pretty much a slugfest on my Facebook. So is really what it came down to.
1: Yeah, putting it mildly.
0: Yes, putting it mildly. <laughs> so um, so most likely, people who saw that are probably listening to this podcast, as well as some other friends of mine, um, both in the homosexual community um, and also in the Christian community. So I know I have people listening who really represent a, a, a wide variety um, and, and different worldviews. But I do want to hone in on this Kim Davis issue. Because for me... This issue, I've I've had to really think through a lot because there are, in my opinion, two sides to the story. There is the political side that you can kind of argue for, and then there's the religious side of it. And, you know, the meme I posted, if you haven't seen it, it was maybe not the best meme, but actually, Jordan, I'm just going to pull that up. All right? want to have you read the meme to everyone here. Sure. All right. Go ahead and read the meme.
1: <laughs> well, just to set the stage, I guess, the meme, the picture is a picture of Kim Davis, teary-eyed. Looking rather upset. And the top of the picture says, Kim Davis says, what hurts most is when people say God doesn't love her. And then the bottom of the meme says, you know, what Christians tell gay kids every single day. Okay. You know, not divisive at all. (laughs) You don't think so? Perfectly innocent. Well, that's how I was seeing it.
0: (laughs) Um, Actually, I'll be honest. When I posted that, I thought, man, this is so true. Um, How can people not agree with me? But, wow, was I ever wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> Clearly, I was really wrong. Now, here's what gets me on this. OK, I have sat down with several friends of mine um, who um, who are gay and they've shared their stories with me. And, you know, in my opinion, when you sit down with a human being over a table and you you hear them sharing their heart and their story is part of them growing up in the church, and being told that God doesn't love them because they're gay, and that God hates them, and that they're a monster, and those are the words that, that, that they heard as children, I think it might change your perspective a little bit. you know. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so that's why I posted that, because I'm thinking, wow, this is true. I know people who have had this experience, and I think it's important that as Christians, we are aware of, of words that other Christians have said. Now, on the other side of this topic, especially in this Facebook thing, and we'll get to Kim Davis in a second, but I want to hit this part. A lot of Christians on my Facebook wall pretty much, I mean, there was a lot of things said, but the, the, the big thing I I got from it was the idea of, well, Tim, you know, you're making it seem like all Christians believe this and and any, or um, any true Christian would never say that to a person. Does that make sense to you, Jordan?
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of see both sides of it because, I mean, I definitely understand, and I don't have as many close friends as you do that are, that are gay, that have had this story Um, And this same background of, you know, hearing these hurtful things from people in the church um, and people at least claiming to be Christian. Um, But I understand that that happens and I believe that that happens. You know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I can also see the other side of it, you know, kind of what some of these comments brought up other Christian friends of yours on your Facebook and just the fact that. You know, for me, at least as a Christian, I don't know of anyone you know that would say things like that, mm-hmm. you know, like none of my christian friends i i mean I would hope not right <laughs> you know like yeah, absolutely that's what i mean i that's what where I kind of come from, and where I can kind of relate to some of the people that commented on your post is just kind of from that perspective of you know like I've never heard that said you know i I feel like it's hard like I know it happens, you know, and and it's a really sad reality that people in the church treat people this way. Right. Um but it's it is it is difficult when you haven't personally seen that happen, I guess.
0: Yeah, and I I mean that's true. It is true. But what what kills me here is that as Christ followers, right, we are called here to be little Christs. And while I'm definitely one um, who does not believe in necessarily being just a doormat, I do believe in in following the way that Christ led. And he led, especially when it came to his disciples and it came to people who needed him, he led humble. And he led with one, in my opinion, with an attitude of, you know, I need to listen and I, and I need to share good news. And what kills me here is, as I'm reading these posts on my Facebook from people who I know personally, and I met in person, and I know in reality love the Lord and are kind people, they almost represented themselves in the opposite light in some of those comments, and it mm. killed me because I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe what I posted was a little, uh, a little inflammatory. Honestly, you know, now that now that I'm looking back on it, yeah. But, but we had someone on there engaging with people who. Who was gay? Saying this has happened to me, and the response was pretty much like, "Well, sorry that happened to you, but you know, it's still not, not, not. It's still not a common thing." And yeah. to me, that that's not listening. That's not being empathetic. That's not. That's not walking in someone's shoes to see. You know, what is this story? What is really happening here? You know, is this story true? How, why is this person feeling this way? I, I highly doubt that that any gay person is making things up just to be a liar. You know, I highly doubt someone saying, well, you know, um, let me make up this story about some guy who I never met who, who said that God hated me just so I can rile the base up. Most of these people, especially ones that I met, have real stories. And so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I struggle with this because, because... How Christians respond to things is so important, especially in this day and age, right? And I think about in Peter, um, when we're told to give um, an account for the gospel with respect and with honor and with, with really humility, right? And Facebook can be the opposite of that. And social media can be the opposite of that. And here's here's the other truth of it, too. I've put people in rooms together in person who have argued on Facebook, and they are fine in person.
1: You know, yeah. Hence the podcast. And not, <laughs> yeah, <not>. Really? Or <laughs> yeah. even
0: even my friend on Facebook, um, you know, um, my friend, um, uh, I'm going to call him by his first name Hans over there. You know, we've met in lunch for lunch many a times. And him and I have very different world views, And we might even go back and forth on Facebook a little bit. But, man, when we get lunch together, we still have those hard conversations. And we struggle to, to – sometimes we struggle to agree. Other times we agree completely. But we have great dialogue because of that. And that door is wide open. Hans and I – I text Hans consistently. Hans and I are hanging out this Sunday with, with my fiance. And because of, of that in-person interaction, it's totally superseded – the Facebook, you know, dilemma of, of really just argumentative speech back and forth.
1: Yeah. I think it's so easy to hide behind a keyboard, um, on the internet. And even beyond that, I'm um, just speaking as, um, a married person, um, uh, just in my interactions with my wife, like I have to be careful and we, we both have to be careful with each other, just how we send text messages, you know, or how we, and this yeah. is kind of going down a little rabbit trail. That's all right. But I think it comes into play when we're talking about things on your Facebook. Just that it's so easy to to lose things in the way that you say things in text that you aren't really the way that you mean them. Um, and yeah. then, and then there's the more you know, the more uh, purposeful aspect of like honestly just not caring what other people think of you as much because yeah. you're not in right. person with them yeah. you can't see them right <laughs>
0: you, you can't hear their tone you never you never met them before and so yeah. you're kind of reading a text that maybe they met with one tone with the tone that almost you want to hear and that can be said for anyone i mean that, yeah. that that's just not a christian problem that's that that's really a people problem we all read tones that maybe aren't aren't intentional but i was just kind of disappointed honestly i was just bummed out. I mean, I was called divisive. Uh, at one point, someone even kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, that that uh, that I, um, you know, I just swung to the opposite extreme here and, 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 and that I can't find a middle ground. And I mean, the problem with that and what kills me is that the only divisiveness on that Facebook were Christians who were arguing with, with people. For like 34 or 35 comments and we're going back and forth and typing in all caps and using exclamation points and you know saying that's the point and this and that it kills me because there's no tact and not that here's the thing man it's not impossible to speak politely on facebook you know right. you can use emojis you can use certain wording you can make yourself very clear hey i'm not upset i'm just trying to be clear here you can say things to make sure that you're not misinterpreted And when you don't, that's what happens. And then before you know it, I'm looking at at my Facebook. Actually, uh, Sarah texted me. She goes, man, you're quite Mr. Controversy. I I haven't checked in an hour or two. I look back and there's like 30 comments, and, you know, Tim, this is so divisive and, you know, I can't believe this and everyone's liking, you know, it's one of those things where like someone would say something towards me and there was like four likes under it, you know, and it's like, right. okay, well, I guess, you know, whatever. Uh, my All roommate, those people hate you. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. my roommate texts me, I got involved in your stupid controversial thread, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, here No, no. Go. You I know? mean,
1: this actually, honestly, and it's hard when you see something that either just hits a chord with you. Or something like that. Even as a Christian, it's hard to hold your tongue and not get involved with it. And honestly, that's more of the reason that I blocked you on my Facebook. (laughs) was Not (laughs) not because I didn't want to see things that you had to say, but just because for my own self, being able to not get involved with things. When I know that there's the possibility that I'm going to say something I regret or become... Too passionate about something, right? And, and you at know. the end of the
0: day, it's kind of useless. I mean, I've never changed anyone's yeah. opinion on Facebook, and they they almost yeah, never changed mine. You know, um, but this gets back to a bigger issue for me. And, I, and let's take it a step back now from Facebook. You know, and this this is why what I'm going to say now is why exactly why I made my disclaimer in the very beginning of the podcast that we are, or especially I am, mm-hmm. a pretty standard Bible believing Jesus follower. I do not understand. I do not understand this war with the homosexual community. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And I think that a lot of people who like to speak for Jesus have hijacked that and made it a political agenda. And it kills me here because here's the bottom line, man. No matter how you swing it, no matter what research you look at, this country is was not founded as a Christian country. It just wasn't. Now there were parts, the Puritans came over, and they tried to found it as a christian country but overall majority speaking we didn't come over here to start a christian america we came over here right. for the freedom of religion and what what's bothering me what, what, what bothers me is that is that what's happened is that somehow we've gotten back into this mindset that that this is god's promised land and that somehow god's coming back for his people aka americans and that we need to make sure that everything you know that is done here legislatively is by god's standard and and we've taken the issue of homosexuality in particular and we put it on like this pedestal of like the cardinal like thing like like to fight against that and abortion are the two things that like that right wingers and like you know good christian god fearing people overall are really passionate against. Yeah. Now, abortion is one issue. We're not going to touch that today. That's a whole different subject, but in the case of homosexuality and in the case of, you know, legally speaking, I don't understand why we fight with that. I don't get it. I mean, Paul in first Corinthians five, he makes it so clear that we are not called to judge the world, that that's God's job, that we are called to love the world. And also he says, he says, I told you um, in my letters, do not associate with the sexually immoral, but by that I did not mean those in the world. I met those in the church, Paul speaking to the church and he's speaking about, you know, the situation that happened where, where there was there was um there was sexual immorality in the church and the church was yeah. celebrating it. And Paul's saying, "No, no, no. You fight you judge you, you judge each other inside the church, but don't worry about the world. God will take care of that on his own. You're called to love the world. You're called to be salt and light." So, I, am I crazy? Because I get so fired up. I am so fired up over this because I know people that really are like, you know, Homosexual, homosexual marriage should not happen I don't think, Why? Legally speaking, I don't understand that It's not fair to them It makes no sense Regardless of my disagreement with that situation It doesn't matter Because our country legislates tons of things That as a Christian I disagree with I don't believe in sex before marriage I'm not holding a picket sign against college kids Who are sleeping around Right. You know, I'm, I disagree with getting drunk I think that that is also wrong I'm not picketing Budweiser but for some reason we're picketing this issue. Why? Jordan, give me hope. Why are we doing this?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, to a certain extent, I'm as dumbfounded as you, but I think part of it comes back to well, it's 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 there, you know, it's the issue right now, I think is part of it, you know, and it has been for a while. It's not that it's just, you know, like this past week. But because of the new legislature and laws coming through recently I think it's become a really prominent issue currently I think that's part of it okay um, but I think it's just also something that some Christians feel like it's easy to be against and demonize yeah um, yeah and yeah I don't I don't know it's 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 hard to to say why it's become such, you know... like Listen, like hot-button issue. Right, right. Yeah,
0: I, I don't get it. I'm dumbfounded because, in my opinion, there are much more important things that the Bible speaks about. Oh, yeah. That our country does that are immoral and unjust that are, I can back up biblically verse after verse all throughout the Bible, not just with five or six different verses that are kind of scattered throughout, that most Christians don't think twice about, and they participate in. Yeah. And that's, you know, and look, I'm not this is not about being perfect. This is not about, you know, being holier than thou at all. But it's simply saying to ourselves, you know, I we we rally against that. We rally against, you know, the homosexual for no reason. Their their actions in our in their life really have no effect on ours. But we have no problem participating in certain cultural things that really are not healthy at all as a culture. We are a completely greedy culture. I mean, our our culture of America is built on greed. Mm. It's built on it. And that is something that the Bible rallies against all throughout Scripture. I mean, Jesus even said you cannot serve both God and and money or mammon, you know. How many people do we know have given away their families for a better career?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing, too, something that just came to mind that um, is, I think, just a a concern of a lot of Christians looking at this issue is the way the things that could affect in the future— Um, looking at like the freedom of speech for pastors to be able to say, you know, I don't believe that's okay, so I'm not going to perform this wedding and now that's illegal and he can't say that, um, which has already happened in other places, Mm -hmm. you know, I believe in Canada, like things like that have happened. Sure. Um, so I understand that, that concern and, um, from my perspective, I'll just share a little bit sure. of my perspective on it right now. Um, I take a step further back, and I, and I only say that um, the government—I don't think the government should say if that anyone can be married or not. That's personally my view on it. Right. Just because I believe marriage, as a Christian, I believe and a believer of the Bible, I believe that marriage has its roots in religious history and God bringing Adam and Eve together and that that's something that the church should say marriage or not marriage for anyone, you know, whether it's for me or for sure. anyone else. Yeah. Um, and really if you're going to advocate for the separation of church and state, right. which most people that would advocate for uh, homosexual marriage would also advocate for that. Right. Um, I would say that the Church should say who can get married and the state should say, you know, who can have the same legal rights to be unionized. And in that case, then it doesn't matter to me. You know, like if you want to be together and have those same rights that like you said, that doesn't affect me. Right. You know, that doesn't change anything for our law.
0: (laughs) It's your right to have. Yeah. That's the thing is like the Constitution is does not state one way or another. You know, regarding legal rights for married couples of same sex or not. So if you know, so my like you're saying, I don't understand, again, why this is such a big thing in that realm. Now, what you're saying, I think, is completely true as well. Your concern or Christian's concern can be valid at times. Now, I believe that that's exactly why we have a separation of church and state. I believe that there are laws in the Constitution that guarantee that churches and religious institutions of all kinds, not just churches, but of all kinds, you know, are exempt from a lot of these things. And I have—now, per- I'm not saying this is true, but I personally have not heard um, anyone um, who was pro-homosexual marriage— um, say, listen, I believe that that churches should be forced to marry us. You know, in fact, most people, honestly, let, let, let's be truthful. Most most gay people don't want anything to do with the church. <laughs> right. They just don't. You know, yeah. and and really, in a lot of ways, who can blame them? Um, but I get that, and they just want the same legal rights, and they want to be called married yeah. under the law. So, in my opinion, it's well, then go ahead and do it. Be, and why are we stopping them? And and again, you know, I don't, I don't keep going around in circles, but it just seems to me to be a losing battle. No one's winning mm. here. Christians are not looking. Um, they're not being hated for the ro- for for the uh, for the right reasons, in my opinion. Yeah. I know you wanted to get to this. We we're talking about you brought up earlier, John, fifteen, eighteen.
1: Yeah, that was it.
0: Um, about you know the, and it's where pretty much Jesus says you know like the world's gonna hate you.
1: Right. right? And because, I because yeah. because of me, basically because right. you're following me. And I
0: thought about that. And I thought you know I've heard people use that a lot in Facebook in person. Well, we're, we're gonna be hated, but you can be hated for the wrong thing. Yeah, you, it's possible. You know, Jesus was the one hanging out with the sinners. That's why he was hated. Jesus was the one who was saying, give your taxes to Caesar, give to God's what is God's. Jesus, Jesus was the one holding on the area on the side of grace and humility and hanging out with people who sh- he was not to hang out with, quote unquote. That's why he was hated. You know, people forget. They say, well, you know, if the world hates us, we're doing the right thing. I would rather, yeah, if you're hated for the right reasons. If we were hated because we were so graceful and and, and we just believed the best in everyone and the society hated us because we were just too kind and loving, that's a good reason to be hated. But if we're hated because we're the ones, like, casting the first stone, that's the wrong reason to be hated. And you can't find that support in Scripture. You just can't find it. I don't know. Yeah. I I just don't get it. I mean, I
1: think it can go either way with that, too. Just that, you know, there was always that balance in that I see in Christ's ministry that whenever he encountered someone, um, he always loved them and he always had so much grace for them. And the other thing, though, that we forget sometimes is that he always called them to repentance. Mm hmm and i think that's important and i think we do that really bad <laughs> right. a lot of times right. and at the completely wrong time right. and but that still is an aspect of it 100% and i think that's something that you know we can be hated for too even if we are you know being loving and being graceful you know when it gets to that hard aspect of Yeah, there is a point where, you know, you have to call someone to repentance.
0: Well, and that's that's if I agree with you on that. What I would what I would argue is that is that we've been calling America to repentance without showing them any love or reason why. You know, I mean, Jesus gives like the woman at the well. He offers her eternal uh, water that that she'll never thirst again. That sounds a lot better than what she's currently involved with. So Jesus doesn't just say, hey, repent. You know, he gives oh, yeah. a better reason of why, why, why turn from 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 what I'm doing. I mean, that, that's what repent means. Repent means to turn from what you're doing, go the other way. Exactly. So, so for people who are stuck, who have, a, who are down and out, who are depressed, the gospel is beautiful because it offers a way out of those things. But if people don't know what they're being saved from, and all they hear is repent because you're sinful, all of a sudden all of these other things start getting wrapped up in their head, and they have this totally wrong view of repentance, and even the word sin. I mean, the word sin simply means to miss. The mark—that's what it means. Mm -hmm. Now, somehow, some way, it's become a list of things, and sin has become this really like dark, like you know, like oh, you're a sinner. It means it it almost kind of means like, well, you're gross. That's how we kind of see it in our culture now. You know, you're untouchable, and then we forget that that's exactly who Jesus hung out with, and that's who he loved, and he did offer repentance to them. He did tell them, "Listen, repent and follow me." But that was because, I mean, in my opinion, he offered them such a beautiful way to live. And so we've kind of cut yeah. we've kind of cut off like one of the main like trunks of the gospel and all you hear from a, not all but a lot of the times what people who don't know Jesus hear is repent, repent, repent. And what they think there's what what they think we're saying is, you know, come be part of our church. Come have our doctrine. Come believe the way the same exact things that we believe. Go to church every Sunday, but not, hey, meet this living Jesus who is real, who is alive right now, who can offer you a way out of your depravity, who can offer you a way out, who can give you hope when you're hopeless. Here's here here he is. Here's why I follow him. Right. It's not that's not happening by and large. It's starting to grow. There's a movement happening where people, I think, are owning that, hey, you know what? As a church, we, we, we missed a lot of things, and we, we want to repent from that ourselves. We want to turn from those ways, and we want to introduce people to Jesus who is real, not just a system. But until that happens in the public spotlight, until, honestly, until these politicians— get the heck out of religion and get the <laughs> heck out of Christianity, we're going to be fighting it in, I feel like, like an uphill battle because for every one thing I say, I feel like I have four other guys in the in the media spotlight who are politicians saying that they're a good guy. god in Christian, right. saying the complete opposite. Right. And
1: that's the thing. Somebody brought up, I think, on your Facebook post that I agree with, it's definitely true a lot of the time, is that the people that are saying these things aren't necessarily the majority, but they're definitely the loudest, you know? Yes. And sometimes the people you know making religion all about politics and or making you know if you're a christian you have to be a republican you know or things right. like that like those right. are the people in the spotlight the people in the media that you see you know that are yes. prominent even though there are and you thousands yes. of christians out there that love jesus and love people yes. and would never even enter their minds to right. act You know, in these ways that you see, you know, Westboro Baptist and exactly, you know, people people like that who
0: we look at and we're like, how did you get the the the, um, like the audience that you have? I don't understand that and it gets me upset because those are people representing my jesus your jesus the jesus of the bible Mm. who when you read that scripture is all about redemption is all about second chances is all about hope i mean that's the whole point of the gospel is that while we were still in our mess while we we were still broken while we were still missing the mark christ still offered himself to save us yeah that's what's so beautiful about it and yet we are so not graceful to other people it reminds me of the story of, of the um of the man, it's the parable in the Bible where um, this guy was in debt to, I think, uh, his master. Uh, you know, like a lot of money, and he begged for his life, and he begged for the debt to be forgiven, and it was. The master forgave the debt, and that same guy who had his debt forgiven then went out and shook up one of his other guys for like ten bucks, right, and put him <laughs> in jail because of it. And, right. the, and the king found out and was like, are you kidding me? And it's the same kind of idea. We've been shown so much grace. We preach grace. We, 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 we put these Bible verses on our Facebook about how Christ saved us while we were still in sin. Yet we can't offer people grace. We can't offer anyone gay, uh, a grace. We can't offer the politician grace. We can't offer the guy on the streets grace because he's, quote, unquote, too lazy. We mm. can't offer the mom on welfare grace because she's, quote, unquote, abusing the system. We can't offer the gay person grace because, well, they're just gay. It's ridiculous, and it's it's completely hypocritical. Yeah. And that's what kills me here is that I feel like, like my faith has been kind of hijacked because I'm looking at Scripture. I know you do the same thing, and we're like, what book are we reading, and what book are they reading, and how are we coming to these completely different conclusions?
1: Yeah, I think it's when you get that, like, quasi mashup of the Bible and uh, politics, <laughs> the yeah. Bible and Fox News or – you know, whoever I it, it is, and, and, yeah. And
0: I, I I hate to bash on the right on the right wing because there's definitely left wing as well. That you you could definitely abuse it on either yeah. side. There's no doubt. But right now, the right wing has the corner on Christianity by and large. The majority of Christians, not all, but I would say the majority are either slightly right or pretty right wing. You know, either either they voted for Bush last year or they voted for Romney last year. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things. And when it comes to the situation uh, of Kim Davis. It's just it's it, it, to me it's fuel to that fire you know I mean I don't understand uh, this position that Kim Davis has I don't understand it I don't understand on a religious uh, text of course now politically one can make the argument one could argue anyone could could argue that hey you know what the Supreme Court um, legislated that law it shouldn't it, that's not the Supreme Court's job I'm gonna follow the, um, the the state law instead that's that's an argument that that hey in America that's all we do is we debate those kinds of things. But when you turn it into a tyranny and a religious persecution thing and you say, Whoa, yeah. I got thrown in jail because I was forced to do this and I refused, that to me, man, you are so far off. And you actually, in my opinion, you make light of real persecution.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. And I was just thinking the same thing. Like, I mean, literally what happened was and you were kind of filling me in this in on this the other day. Yeah. Just that she Stopped issuing the marriage license yep. and also then refused to leave the courthouse, right? Right. Refused to stop doing her job. Right. So it's kind of like she didn't have to do that. She's kind of almost putting in herself in the position that, yeah, you're going to get arrested because now you're breaking the law. Right. And then calling yourself a martyr. Right. Because of that. Right. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, you have no idea. Like, I have no idea None. what it means to be a martyr. Right. For Christ, Paul you know? <laughs> is thrown in prison
0: against his will. Writes that it is pure joy to be persecuted, and and saves the jailer at one point. Right, and here we have this lady. Now, Kim Davis is kind of a straw man for the sake of of this debate, but also it's also Kim Davis as well. Yeah, here she is, kind of you know she she cries when she gets out of jail. She has Mike Huckabee there crying, saying our God is alive and He rescued me. It's like, lady, you put yourself in prison. No one forced you to sign that. You could have resigned your job if you were that convicted. By the way, can we just say, I'm sorry, this needs to be said. I'm so fired up over this. How? I'm sorry. I I need a minute here. The bias (laughs) is so ridiculous. Kim Davis has been doing that job for for over two decades, over 26 years. Mm -hmm. I guarantee she signed off on a ton of marriage licenses of divorced couples. Right. Something that the Bible talks about.
1: Was divorced herself more than once.
0: And listen, this is not about judgment on Kim Davis, okay? Right, no. I get that, but here's the problem. When you're going to stand up for the sanctity of marriage, but your own life has been nothing but really a desecration of marriage, three marriages, it comes across as what we call a hypocrite. In fact, Jesus even talks about that. He says, hey, get rid of the plank out of your own eye. Before you get rid of the speck out of your brother's eye. So Kim Davis becomes this imaginary martyr. All of his politicians like Mike Huckabee rally around her calling it, oh, standing up for freedom and for tyranny, you know, and saying, standing, standing up against tyranny. I heard a sermon by a pastor that pretty much argued that American America is a Christian nation because the Puritans meant it to be a Christian nation, and that Kim Davis was 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 refusing tyranny. And I almost put my drink out. And this guy had a beard. and looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> for shame. <laughs> I know. For shame. No, no, I mean, he's still a brother, you know. But but I'm, I'm watching all this, and I'm sorry to kind of dominate the conversation here, Jordan. It's, it's been on my heart so much. I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. We don't know what persecution is we don't know what a martyr is and kim davis was not forced to do anything she could have resigned if that was really her conviction and moved on now here's the thing that kills me at the same time this was happening another story came out i don't know if you saw this where an islamic um person um was fired from her job because she was refusing to serve alcohol because it went against her religious conviction i didn't see one politician with her i didn't see one christian fighting for her religious freedom nope she got right. she got she got fired from her job because she wouldn't do you know she wouldn't serve alcohol. Hey, honestly, rightfully so. If you're, if you can't do the duties of a job, you have to get a new one. Yeah. I understand that. Just like Kim Davis, get a new job. But, exactly. But no one. I didn't hear one Christian, not on my social media accounts, not in the news, not anywhere, say, you know what? That is equally unjust. Not one person. Right. And it just shows the bias to me. The oh, tribes. for sure, it's, because it doesn't
1: uh, fit. It doesn't fit into what they're trying to do with their political agenda, especially yes. being that there's an election coming up. You yes. know, I feel like I feel like if this was you know two years ago or another year and a half from now, that we wouldn't this wouldn't have been anywhere near as big right. as it is right now. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of this issue specifically with Kim Davis. Yeah, is that. The election, the politicians are jumping on board because of that, yep. because it's something that they feel they can use for their platform. And you have to look at it and be honest just with yourself that that's really what this is. You know, and I feel yep. like for me, like, like that's, I almost kind of dismissed it from the beginning mm. of almost like, you know what, this, it's not important to me because I know that's why this has become such a big thing. Right. You know, and right. But just seeing everyone else's Christians' responses to the whole issue has, you know, like you were saying, has just been well. It's it's you know, been frustrating a little bit. I was to
0: a buddy today on the way and uh, from home from work. I said, I said, I said, hey man, I need your opinion on two words. Kim Davis. He laughed, but he said one thing that stuck out to me. He said, you know what, man? He said people are more concerned, and so is the media, with the narrative, not with the truth. Yeah. And that that was like wow. You know that's so true. We want the narrative. Good Christian person gets thrown in jail for religious beliefs. But that's not the truth. That's not the truth. Right. The truth is that she stopped doing a job. She wouldn't leave the job. She th- was thrown in jail. She has had Plenty of problems with her own marriages, and has signed off on marriages that were equally—if you're—if you're, if you're going to play the Bible game—were are equally mentioned as 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 really not healthy marriages. People who were divorced. I mean, but God even says it, or the Bible even says at one point, you know, that if you marry a woman who's been who's been divorced, that you're an adulterer. Right. I mean, that's 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 way more—that's extreme language. You yeah. know, that's extreme <laughs> language. But yet, Kim Davis has no problem signing off on it. So people are not concerned with the truth, because that's the truth. What they're concerned about is the narrative. Oh, it just proves that that the gays are taking over. It just proves that the liberal agenda is coming over and tyranny here and Obama is this and that. I mean, I heard it all. I saw it on my Facebook. I saw it. In, I mean, people say, well, you're making it up. Dude, I should start screenshotting my Facebook posts and what Ooh. I see on Facebook. I mean, you wouldn't believe it or what I hear. I listen to Rush Limbaugh. I listen to Sean Hannity for that exact reason so I can say, no, you don't get it. They actually said that. Right. That's what people are. They're not. I'm not right. making this stuff up. I'm not saying I heard yeah. this in some clip. I heard Rush Limbaugh say these things. I heard it on on here or there. People are really spinning this as well. Big bad Obama. This is all his fault, and this is the end of America and Christian Christianity as we know it. It's right.
1: absurd. Well, I feel like Christians in America have just gotten way too comfortable. You know, it's yeah. to the point where I mean, you could say, and I mean, you and I have looked at this in. Like when we did the whole study on like the, with the unChristian book, and just yeah. the percentages of people in the U.S. that claim Christ, and then nothing in their life matches up with that. Yeah, and I think it's a product of just this this comfort that we've had, if you will, how easy it is to be a Christian in the U.S. I remember uh, years back being at a conference um, and hearing this pastor speak from China, and yeah. he just spoke briefly, I think, for a couple minutes. But one of the things that he said that stuck out with me, I honestly don't remember anything else from the entire conference except for this, was, and this was at a time, um, this was, I think, in 2008, 2009. Okay. So it's kind of coming out of, and Chris, uh, China has been coming, kind of coming out of that communist, very oppressive, religious oppressive uh, culture there. And what he was saying, though, was basically that he was concerned for the Christian, the young Christians in China because it was becoming easier to be a Christian in China. That was his concern, that they would become too, you know, lukewarm, that they wouldn't be, that it was like, it was kind of the opposite of what we're complaining about (laughs) here. The extreme opposite. Just this guy saying, you know, like, this is the real problem is when it's too easy to be a Christian. Yeah and i believe that you know and yep. and claim that for myself that yes. i've had it easy you yep. know we've had right. it easy right to to follow christ we've had it hand it to us man on a golden platter yeah absolutely and then we we we, we, we balk at like the the littlest right you know I that mean, what we see as an encroachment on our which really sh- it's really in
0: my opinion just j- just an equalization because christianity has has been pretty heavily favored for the past 40 years in america i mean oh yeah even the idea of of reading or singing hymns in public school that's nowhere in the Constitution. I mean, people go, "Whoa, Tim, how could you say that?" Well, it's not. You know, just like how I would never advocate for reading the Quran on a on a on a on a school morning, I can't advocate for reading the Bible on a school morning because legally it shouldn't happen. That's we came out. We came out of tyranny. We came out of, of religious persecution. People forget that it was the Catholic Church in bed with the king, right? That, <laughs> that made us leave. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't Islam. Right. It wasn't Hinduism. It was the Catholic Church and really Christianity in, in its early stages, mm-hmm. you know, that really was in bed with the king that made us come over here in the first place. Yeah. So all of have to say, Jordan, I, I look at all this and I think, wow, I think like like you really nailed it up and you really summed it here. That, And I'm guilty of this as well. You know, we, grew, we grew, have grown up in a culture where you can live and not need God you know we have enough we have more material stuff in this country to last i mean i mean what what's the what's the uh statistic it's uh you know we're we, we're five percent of the world's population we use twenty five percent of the world's uh, resources now I don't know yeah. how true that is but it, I, I, something like that I, I would not <laughs> believe it let's put it that way yeah. I mean we, you look even where we're sitting in, in my in, in, in my basement here I, I'm looking at six couches a huge TV a surround sound system you know we have a lot of stuff I can get a job and I can work my way up to the top I can sacrifice my life for money and I cannot need God in that way at all. Right. And so it's in a sense, it's almost harder in, in a way to be an authentic Christ follower because you because it seems like you're giving up so much. You're giving up consumerism. You're giving up materialism. You're trying to live simply. You're giving up what it means to be in tons of debt. You know, Yeah. something funny, by the way, I'll mention here. There's a great book called. Um, uh, oh, what's it called? By Alistair McGrath. Um, Christianity's Dangerous Idea. Uh, my friend gave it to me a couple of years ago. It, it, it's a brief summarization of the Reformation uh, from, from Martin Luther on pretty okay. much. And one of the things that, that rocked me, and this is, I, I read this and I thought, wow, that's crazy, was that back in the day when Calvin was around and they were writing, one of the big cardinal sins of the church was to was usury was what was to loan money or to be in debt to someone to pay them interest because it, it's somewhere in the Bible it talks about that right that was like the cultural like like wait you did what you took out a loan that was hmm. the big no-no look at our culture man it's built on debt yeah. our country is built on financial you know debt and interest yet no Christian thinks twice about that even though it's in the Bible yeah. so like, it kind of goes to, it kind of again to me goes back to that that cherry-picking idea like you said earlier to me you know this is this is like this this the the gay you know uh, I don't even know Um, just like that conversation you know with the homosexuality and all that that's just the newest hot button topic that we're just cherry picking because the Bible is chock full of stuff that talks against not Taking care of the poor that talks get you know, and is, is pro life in all ways, not just from abortion. We're talking about pro, we're pro, talking about, about pro, you know, anti death penalty here in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, people are gonna go, Oh, well, no way, Tim. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll get into that later on. It's a whole different discussion, you know. <laughs> but really, I mean, God is pro life all the way through, not just from the womb, you know. Mm-hmm. He's also pro living as well. He is for the, the single mom, He is for the person who cannot find a job, but people don't understand that, and so. It, all that to say, man, you know, that's why now you see why everyone out there, why I wanted to preface early on that Jordan and I really believe in the living Jesus, because we are not trying to twist those things. In fact, we're trying to get back to the root of those things. And when you read yeah. the scripture, I mean, a simple reading of a sermon on the Mount, look at what he's talking about. You know, turn the other cheek, love your enemies. It, Jesus clearly says it is easy to love those who love you. What's hard is loving those who don't love you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And then we look at it here, we can't even get along in a Facebook conversation.
1: That's the <laughs> level we're at,
0: and it kills me. Now, I'm not saying that you and I, especially me, you know me better than most people do. There's no way that I'm at some kind of you know, you know, top notch level with all this. But the point is, is that we're striving to be more and more Christ-like, not, not striving to be more and more political-like, not, striv- mm-hmm. not striving to be more and more you know, uh, American kingdom life. We're, we're looking at what is God's kingdom like? What are the attributes of that? What are the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Um, self-control. Self-control. That's Another, a big one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not our culture. No, right? no, not no. no, not self-control. Not no. self-control. <laughs> Forget that one. No, yeah, just exit one out. You know, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Are Is our life a reflection of that in all ways? Yeah. Is that a reflection of us on Facebook? Is it a reflection of us when we're driving? Not me. When I'm driving, <laughs> I have the worst road rage. I will oh, tell you that right yeah. now. I need to repent all the time. you know. But really, I, I think I'm about those things. Or how about when I'm waiting in line at the, uh, you know, at Starbucks for my latte and the person's taking too long? Am I patient there? Yeah. Or am I that guy who's like, where's my latte? How about when
1: you're waiting in line at my Starbucks and you're just being really impatient? That's the worst. And I just want to throw your drink at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You
0: know. So anyway, know we're a little off topic here. But when it comes to the situation, bringing it one more time back, the Kim Davis thing, that's why I'm so baffled. Because I don't understand... Um, how we call that persecution? Hmm. I don't understand it. You know, anyone can pray at any time. You can go out into your town hall, get underneath, and start praying. No one's going to arrest you. Right. You know, well, you and I can have this podcast talking about the life that God gives. We can put it publicly to the whole world. Yeah. No one's going to arrest us. Attach our
1: address to it for for right. all you right. care, really right? good. Right. <laughs> right. There's, there's no fear here. Exactly. Of somehow,
0: yeah. you know, of our rights being infringed. All that's happening is that another group of people, other groups of people, are asking for those same rights. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to, you yeah. know. Other people are saying, "Hey, um, we notice that the Christians have had a lot of really great rights that the Constitution guarantees them, but we haven't received some of those rights, and constitutionally, we deserve them." And I'm saying, you know what? You're right. You're right. Regardless of my view on this or that, or regardless of your view of me, I deserve the rights that I have, and you deserve the rights that are guaranteed to you by the Constitution. And that's the end of it. You know, it's not our job to judge the world. Christians mistake it because what they do is they read the Bible. They think that that when Paul's writing to corinthians that he's writing to the world he's writing to the church yeah all those letters are written to the church they're yeah. not written to the outside world i i don't get it That's, <laughs> oh, i'm i know i'm all fired up i know i can't believe it yeah i mean
1: i think it i think it does come back to um just that this is something that in that we feel and i say we christians at large feel that it infringes somehow on our right this Christian nation in quotation marks that we've set up for ourselves here. That is almost an illusion to begin with right? because of just, and and this comes back to the thing I said about the pastor in China, just the ease with which it is in the U S to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow Christ. Right. And just how close that is to just not, That Like there's no substance to that. Like there's nothing to back that up in your life and the way that you live. And I feel like when it comes back to like just the kingdom of God and kind of the the, the spiritual realm in this. And I see that and I see um, the enemy looking at that and saying, you know what? That's good because the closer they can be to the mark, if you will, because we talked about missing the mark. The closer you can be to the mark and still miss it, Mm. the better, as far as he's concerned. Because you don't know then. It's so harder to see it in your life. And that was me for so long, too. In my life, just being so close to uh, what it actually is to be a Christian. You know, living exactly like what I thought a Christian should live um, and never having that intimate relationship with Christ, that what it really means to be a Christian. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was pushed to confronting that issue. But for so such a large portion of Christians in the U.S., there's nothing to ever push them into encountering that. Yeah. You know, they never have to look at their life and say, you know what, do I really... believe these things that i'm professing to believe you know do i really believe that i should open my house to to homeless people right or you know whatever it is that the bible commands you know over and over sometimes like do i really believe these things and this is something i think that pushes back against that comfort and that mindset that we have yeah. so often yeah. as christians in the u.s no you're and i think that's correct. why it's become such a hot button i mean i couldn't say that issue. better myself
0: man it's absolutely the truth it's completely true and um it's a little scary frankly it just is um yeah well <laughs> that was good yeah I thought that was good. 52 minutes in. That's a pretty long conversation. Time flies. Time
1: flies. (laughs) When you're having fun. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, I I don't know if there's really much more to say than that. You know, I think you you summed it up pretty well. And it's up to us as Christians to examine ourselves first. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, the New Testament was written to Christians. It was written to the world. Right. Rome was definitely not a Christian nation. <laughs> Corinth was not a Christian nation. Nope. Ephesus was not a Christian nation. And yet you don't see, you don't read much of Paul bashing Rome or Corinth or Ephesus or wherever else he is. He just talks about how Christians are to behave in the world and how they're, how they are called to behave with each other. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what Paul pretty much says is the, the basic two commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. And love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I mean, everything comes down to that anyway. Right. So when we're not doing that; we're missing the mark every time. Every yeah. time when we're not when we're not compassionate, when we're not just, we're not when we're not walking humbly, when we're not giving a, a polite, respectful account. I'm not saying again; no one's saying be a doormat. I understand that. There's evil in the world; that we have to stand up to. Sex trafficking is a huge thing that anyone would agree with. That is terrible, but mm-hmm. that's something that Christians can own and fight against. Yeah. Absolutely. But hey, our battle's not against flesh and blood, right? It's against the powers. It's against spiritual things. It's not exactly. against people. And I think, like you said, the enemy rejoices, and he is thrilled when we take our battle to people. When, mm-hmm. we, when, when, when we take a certain people group or a certain religious group and we target them and say, oh, no, you're the ones who are out. You're definitely out unless you repent. I think that, that the enemy looks and goes, great. That's right. Yeah, get mad at the people. Not not at what's really going on that you can't see, but get mad at people. Yeah. And and that's what happens. you know. Yeah. So, Ah. Uh, Wow.
1: Awesome. All right, good.
0: Well, everyone, thanks for listening in. If you yeah. made it through the whole hour and don't want to kill us, um, you can tune back in for our next <laughs> episode. Uh, this is our first episode, so who knows where it's going to go from here? All two of you. Yeah. All, yeah. At this point, everyone's just tuned out. Like, I'm all done listening Everyone guys. else is
1: sharpening something. I'm sure at this
0: point, Jordan, we've made, we made no one happy. I, I bet all my gay friends hate me, and I bet all my Christian friends hate me. So I'm sorry to both. I love you all anyway. Hopefully, you guys already know that. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Awesome.
1: Send <laughs> down.